0: to the clemson dubcast wednesday february 21st we are one week exactly out till the start 2024 clemson spring football practice we got all the bases covered at tigerillustrated.com with the team coverage and also of course the splendid recruiting coverage from paul strelo never a better time than now to sign up for tigerillustrated.com at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service, integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solution. You can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Celero at celerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, what is it like for two Clemson students who aspire to enter a crazy media world that is largely unrecognizable from the one I jumped into, I guess so oh, about 25 years ago. Fascinating to get a window into all that from Grayson Man and Toby Corston. Awesome stuff here. Enjoy. All right, joined by Grayson Man and Toby Corston. How you guys doing?
1: Doing good, don't, doing good.
0: Don't talk at the same time, guys. Come on. <laughs> Um Grayson is a senior on his way out of Clemson, got a couple of months left. Toby is a freshman at Clemson, both aspiring sports, do you want to call it journalists, media personalities, just anything that will pay you money once you're out in the real world is it?
2: <laughs> um I mean There's a lot of different things I guess I'm doing.
0: That's Grayson. (laughs) Go ahead, Grayson.
2: I mean, I guess there's a lot of different titles that you could associate this stuff with. I mean, there's the podcast, there's the stuff I do with you and Tiger Illustrated, and then there's broadcasting. But I guess, as you mentioned it, anything that can pay the bills right outside is the big real world stuff that I have to start worrying about pretty soon. Toby, you don't have
1: to worry about that. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I'm not. I'm not worrying about that. Uh, big real real world stuff com- yet completely. But uh, I think there's a variety of different titles that you can take in the sports world, and I'm just hoping to take one of them at at some point.
0: I I had this idea to interview both of you earlier this week when the news came out that a a guy that I grew up reading. Uh, every day in an actual newspaper I don't know if you I'm sure you guys maybe have heard of those The printed the printed newspaper Gene Sapikoff Is hanging it up And I'm like Things are so different Things have changed so much Since the late Mid to late 90s When I was in high school and college And even a few years thereafter Because When I was coming, I mean, one of the reasons that I got into this business was there were so many voices just in the state of South Carolina, sports voices, columnists who you just felt like you had to read, you know, after every big event, usually football games, you know, you wake up on Sunday and try to read what everybody wrote. And Gene was the last real Sports columnist in South Carolina left, which is crazy. Was crazy enough, and now it's down to zero. And that's not to suggest that there aren't still important voices out there, but it just sort of hit me pretty profoundly that man, we are definitely in the new era. And I guess I sound old, but I kind of feel good that as a middle aged man, that what I do and, and what my website does is still relevant to the younger crowd. Like I'd value that tremendously because it reassures me that I'm not a total dinosaur, which was is something I've always tried to avoid being and feared becoming. So I guess we can start and I uh Grayson, we'll give you seniority since you're the you're the sen- you, the actual <laughs> senior. Literally this this'll be Toby's initiation. He'll have to go second for, for most of this uh, conversation, but can you give not just me, but probably a lot of my listeners as well, a lot of dinosaurs like me, a sense of when you guys are coming up in middle school, high school, and you start to sort of, your wheels start turning on, and I think I might want to give the sports media thing a try in college. I'm just curious what that looks like for you guys, because it's dramatically different from what it looked like for me.
2: Yeah. And I guess my route initially was not as traditional as starting at a local newspaper because my, and I'm putting this in air quotes, my introduction to everything sports wise was in front of a PA microphone for JV football in my high school. Cause we needed somebody to announce players and names. And they said, Grayson, you got a background in theater and we know you're not shy and you're, you need to help and we need some help. All so right,
0: I got to interrupt theater yeah. theater background let's dig into that
2: yeah um so i did it a i've been doing i did theater from 9 when i had my first audition for a christmas story that i didn't get but i started doing it pretty much round the clock when i was in 6th grade all the way to my senior year and that was musicals one acts various competitions and that's kind of i think where the lack of shyness comes from and where like the willingness to go out and Talk to random strangers, press conferences, whether it's speaking questions, whether it's memorizing data or lines for things that I'm doing in broadcasts. So that's really where it kind of started. It's a very unorthodox path, but it shot it love it really engaged me in a love for performing and a love for just being at not like I guess are part of a team, all trying to do the same thing. And I see that a lot, I guess, in sports in various different ways. And it led to a not PA job. Cause we were just volunteering as part of the varsity football team. But from there, everyone was like, Oh, we love you got, you got such a voice for it. And being the 16 year old kid, I'm like, I guess I do. And then it led to my dad getting me a microphone during the pandemic and saying, you have this, I, I knew I wanted to do something in sports media, but I wasn't sure what it was necessarily. And so he bought me a microphone and said, we have a lot of time on our hands. Clearly. And I want you to go find something with this. And that's what how the podcast got started. And that's why I'm here today.
0: Uh, what part did you audition for in The Christmas Story?
2: Oh, gosh. It's been so long. I, it was one of the... I don't even remember, Larry. Um, you'd have to ask Miss Shannon Horn, uh, who still currently resides in Charleston teaching theater. But I remember just my sister did theater. And... uh they needed a nine-year-old kid to audition and it was between me and another guy. And I just remember not getting it and being really upset that day, but I was like, one day I'll get it back. And so I guess there was this history there. Toby.
1: Uh, So Grayson kind of mentioned the unorthodox way that theater got him into it. Uh, And I have to say, I kind of am on the same route. I did musicals all throughout middle and high school. Yes. Um, So, you know, that love of performing um, has kind of always been there and uh, i i got to high school and you know i kind of i wanted to be an engineer i wanted to be a political scientist through high school but my freshman year i joined the newspaper and i didn't enjoy it that much but i got a little taste of what writing for sports was like interviewing people and i was like hey i'm really good at this interviewing thing or at least i thought so at the time <laughs> um, i really enjoy it and then i, I set the way for a couple years but my senior year, I kind of was shying away from you know engineering or, uh, or or any other major, and I was like, gosh, I think I just want to be in sports. So I went, I went back to it. Um, started writing a little bit, started doing a little bit of photography, um, and and I was like, all right, I'm going to find some sports communications uh, majors. There weren't many out there for college, but I was like, I think this is something that I'd want to do. Um, so I got to Clemson, uh, I toured it for like one hour, one day and I was like, this is the place I want to come. And I got here and I was in sports communication major, which little did I know while applying it is extremely competitive, which, which was really cool. To, to hear, but also it's unfortunate for everyone who wants to go into the field. But I got here and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I found Tiger Media with, with Tiger Vision and The Tiger, which is the newspaper, kind of just jumped right in, doing, doing photography, started started to write a little bit, um, and have since just made a lot of really cool connections that have started to expand my my world and and understand all the different jobs that are in the sports media realm. So I still don't know exactly what I want to do, but that's just kind of how I'm starting to get my foot in the door into this crazy world that, that sports media is.
0: As a ninth grader, what, what sort of made you think you were good at interviewing? I'm just curious.
1: Um, I went, I went out one day with, uh, as a freshman, we all had seniors that like kind of kept track of us on the newspaper staff and, he took me out to do an interview one day of, of one of the soccer players on our team, which at the time I thought was really cool because I was interviewing interviewing a senior. And I kind of just was able to have a conversation with the guy and get a lot of good quotes um, that when, when I came back from the interview, uh, the senior that took me there was just like, wow, I, I've never seen really any of these freshmen be able to do that. They're normally pretty nervous. They don't really know how to like talk to somebody else in that format. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's cool. I didn't think much of it at the time. I just was kind of talking to him. Cause I, I, I mean, I liked soccer, so I was able to just talk about the game and, and sure enough for here I am four years later, uh, hoping to do that for a job.
0: It's really interesting with both of you guys, <clears throat> Toby, you as a freshman in high school, Standing out to a, a senior sort of mentor of you know as being totally comfortable asking questions and then Grace and you as well, that's actually what impressed me about you before you came aboard at Tiger Illustrated. and really it's that's not necessarily something I'd look for per se because every you know everybody has to learn on their own and it's a totally natural you know, when you're thrown into a, especially like a college, after a college football or at a college basketball press conference with all those so-called professionals in the room and totally natural to be nervous about and timid about asking a question. So it's not something that I'm like, you know, only if you are willing to ask questions, are you somebody who has some promise? But what I'm saying is it, that's usually what stands out to me is the people who aren't afraid to do that. And with Grayson, that's what I noticed about you. And so do y'all think that's just a part of your personality, the more extroverted type of nature? Because really one fascinating thing about this business is at least the traditional newspaper business. And I've talked about this before is, is kind of awkward because you have a lot of introverts who are sort of artsy types and who, you know, who are kind of awkward. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably a mix of the introvert and extrovert, um, but probably more introverted. Um, and so it's interesting to me to hear that you guys both are just, it's in your nature to be um, more outgoing and and uh, engaging with, even when you're thrown into a situation uh, with which you aren't that familiar interviewing as a part of a freshman newspaper in high school, Toby or Grayson, as you started working um, covering Clemson football and basketball, just being totally comfortable asking questions. Grayson, I'll let you respond to that.
2: Yeah. So the, I know exactly what you're talking about too, with those interviews up on that second floor of the football facility. And I think what really helped me was that practice beforehand of getting to interview on the podcast, and just doing trial and error and seeing what questions work in a more personal setting, which I would find more daunting than because honestly, at the, at the time when I was just starting out on the beat, I didn't really know anybody other than my old boss. And that's kind of how it was kept. And so, and then the other part of it was I was just genuinely curious because there was so much going on and so much noise that I was finally getting to be a part of when for years it had been watching Clemson football and having those questions and not getting really the answer to it unless I really dug for it and read certain articles or read certain pieces like yours. Okay, I have a question about how Trevor Lawrence did this on Saturday. Well, I can't ask him. And then when I got the chance to, it was like, oh, DJ did this on Saturday against Miami. He was three of seven on third down. DJ, I want to know. So I'd go to the press conference going, okay, at least I'm going to ask. And it felt more natural than it was – oh, this is asking a bunch of front of strangers because it's really never been an issue to talk in front of people I don't know. Because my thought process is I'm probably not going to see them again for a while after this. And their opinion, they come up and tell me how to fix it. They're professionals. So that's kind of how it works out. And it was more of a trial and error and seeing what works for me. But seeing how the players reacted, seeing how the coaches reacted. And it's a it was a fascinating year for Clemson football. So I was glad I was good to, I'm glad that I got to be a part of it and ask those questions because I know I'd regret it later. And that would haunt me more than any embarrassing soundbite on ESPN the next day.
0: This was the 22 season? Yeah. And Grayson, what did you do your freshman and, and sophomore
2: years at Clemson? So my freshman year was dominated by Clemson telling us to stay inside in our little... Oh, yeah. So I,
0: I was... <laughs> Forgot about that COVID thing. <laughs> I
2: was uh, I was a a bridge student in uh, 2020 and 2021. I guess that like that year where things were kind of weird for that first semester. So we had to really stay within our own group and we couldn't really do too much outside of that besides go to class. And so it was more about gathering those. Some of those people are still some of my close friends today. And that was pretty much it. And then sophomore year was, okay. I want to do something with sports media. How can I take this podcast that I have? and see if anyone would be impressed or willing to take it on. And that's, Toby mentioned Tiger Vision. And so for sophomore year, I started another show called The Cover 2 with a co-host where we just talked about sports, college football, just getting myself out there and branching more. And I, I thought I was taking this natural progression of each year I wanted to do something more, something bigger. And at that halfway point, I was like, okay, it's time to find a job. And that's what led eventually to you. Uh, in November of 2022, I think it was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Toby, you are like I go to your Instagram and you're at you're like after soccer game matches, you're doing stand up, giving summaries of the game. You're at Chapel Hill after after the monumental win over the Tar Heels, giving stand up on the court of the teen Dome. I'm like, man, this is impressive. Like that's hard to do you know and so is that so as part of your responsibilities for the tiger are you shooting photos and doing that just for the tiger or is that can you help enlighten on the whole tiger vision thing because i don't really know a whole lot beyond just the tiger newspaper itself
1: uh yeah so for the tiger i'm the assistant photo editor currently um so i shoot a lot of stuff for them Uh, i'm also on the sports desk so I write, but all the standups after games and whatnot, that's just kind of on my own just to, you know, practice and start building a portfolio. Um, with tiger vision, I met this guy at my first soccer game. His name's Patrick Driscoll. He's awesome. Um, and so he's starting, he's a senior, he's starting to build his reel or he's been building his reel this year, um, to go out into the professional world. And I was like, Oh, that looks cool. I should try doing that since I like talking. Um, and so I just tried a couple standups and they came pretty naturally to me. Um, I still have a, a lot of room to grow, but I enjoyed doing them. And from what I've heard, it's the hardest thing to do, um, on TV. Cause you're just standing there talking to nobody. Um, <laughs> and, and you have to get every little thing, right. Um, cause you also have no, no deadline really to hit with them, except for you want to get them done as soon as possible after the game. So that's just something that I do, I guess, for fun, um, because I know it'll be helpful in the future just with anything that I go into to be able to do that. Um, and then for Tiger Vision, like Grayson mentioned, I um, am a panelist on a show called The Extra Point that's also kind of just talking about sports. Um, it's good practice being in front of a camera, formulating sentences, being able to hold a conversation with people while also debating in like, an appropriate manner. And then I've started doing um, this top five show where I just kind of break down the top five plays of Clemson each week. And it's like three minutes long and it's just me in front of the camera. I, I make uh, a video with all with all the all the plays and have it as an overlay and then just kind of go through it and talk over it and do the voiceover. So just try, Tiger Vision is getting a lot of practice on camera and, and talking. Um, and then the Tiger is more writing and photography for me. But it's, it's gotten me in a lot of in a lot of different rooms that I, I think I wouldn't be able to be in um this early early in my college career, like Grayson mentioned. Um, with interviewing, all of a sudden, I was in Dabo's press conference, and I, I'm not really shy, so I, I asked him a couple of questions. And the other people that were with me, that were on the Tiger staff, were like, "Whoa, you asked him a question? <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize we could even do that."
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're used to just so sort uh, of sitting there, I guess. And, and, and yeah, observing. yeah. Well,
1: he's. I mean, I, I, to a lot of people, I don't know whether it's he, he, people get starstruck or they're scared of him. Um, I I don't really notice that I kind of, obviously he's really important in the Clemson world, but he's just kind of another guy is what I've learned. Um, and after soccer games, I would interview the coaches and it would kind of just be one on one for, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. And I I feel like that's a lot more intimidating than just having to have one good question. Um, after a really important football game, I feel like there's a hundred questions you could ask that would be fine. Uh, so it, that's that's kind of been the path that I've been on so far at Clemson, and it, it's just been really cool to get get my foot in a lot of different doors and, and you know learn what this world is like. It's interesting, superstar.
0: It's interesting, Toby. You mentioned it's much harder to sit there one on one with someone after a game with nobody else is helping you, and you can't just sit there and daydream about oh, I'm going to riff off this question this guy asked or this answer that came from something else. I'm interested to hear more about this. Um, And Grayson, you as well, because both of you have done this, Toby, in the settings that you just mentioned, and Grayson, um, mainly, I guess, last fall when you were working for the Seneca newspaper and sort of being thrown to the wolves covering high school football and you're having to do those interviews, I think, largely yourself. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let the freshman start here first, Toby, uh, to carry to sort of continue what what you were talking about. I just want to hear some some more some elaboration on just the the challenge of. I mean, I know the challenges of that, but I just want maybe some of the listeners to hear about sort of dramatic differences in uh, sort of post game settings with a group compared to one-on-one and you're having to carry it all yourself
1: yeah so for for soc- soccer was my first real experience um I went to one soccer game it was the my first game was the uh, South Carolina men's soccer game early on in the year um where I met Patrick and from there from there on out I think I missed one other soccer game both men's and women's throughout the at the year that was at home Um, And I just really enjoyed getting to go after the game and, you know, break down the game with the coach. It was me and sometimes one other person there. Um, And I I just get to talk to him like a normal human being. Um, My favorite was the women's soccer coach, Eddie Radwanski. Uh, He would go on these like four minute tangents on on a simple, it could have been a yes or no question to be completely honest. Um, And I'd be able to kind of just build a story off of that. And so interviewing somebody one-on-one, you just get to be more intimate with them and and just talk with them. And I think that can provide a lot better quotes and a lot better story. Um, But it's difficult because I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, well, I've talked to this guy 12 times in the last three weeks. I don't want to ask him the the same thing over and over. So kind of finding different ways to formulate questions um, has been difficult, but also a really good learning experience just so that I can have a wider variety of questions because it's either easy, easy to say, Hey, how'd the game go? Like,
0: all talk, right, this talk person was the game. best player.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's easy to ask those questions, but you can only ask those questions so many times. So finding, finding different angles and finding different ways to just have a normal conversation has been really fun because it's not something that you think about before. Like, Oh, I got to find a different way to talk to this guy that I see every Thursday and Saturday.
0: And also, Toby, you're shooting. You're, you're you're doing photo during these games, and so it's not as easy to just sort of sit back and internalize the key momentum shifts. Or I guess with soccer, it's easier because the goals are the thing, and there aren't many, so that's pretty obvious. But still, you're doing a different job in in trying to take good photographs, and then. You're having to sit there right after the game with Noonan or Radwanski or whoever, and ask intelligent questions. That's a challenge, in its own right. I would, I would guess.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely tough. Um, I think the hardest part is not just knowing the stats off the top of my head. Like as as I'm sitting there in the press box watching a game, I can kind of compile stats that like, hey, Chase Hunter went seven for 13 from the three point line or whatever. Um, And so that's easier to formulate questions off of. And I kind of have to go off the feel of the game, um, which was tough because, again, there's only so many questions about the feel of the game that you can ask. But it's really helped me um, with other interviews now that I'm not just looking at stats, that I'm not sitting in the press box, just grinding out stats, trying to see what happened in the game. Um, So I think not being so focused on the game and the stats that are happening in the game and kind of just being able to take it in through a camera lens has given me another angle to take into interviews, which I've really appreciated as I've gotten more into writing. Um, And it's definitely difficult. If I had to write a really good piece on something, I would not want to be taking photos during it because I don't get to take in the game as well as I do in the press box. But I do think it's helped me just find different angles um, in, in certain stories that I wouldn't have if I was just sitting up top watching a game.
0: Do you have a rapport with those coaches? Like, did you introduce yourself to them early on? Like, do they know who you are?
1: Um, not early on. I didn't know that I would be at every soccer game, but after kind of a few games with seeing them kind of consistently after every time they'd recognize us as well. And they'd be like, who do you all work for? And it'd kind of be consistent with that. And then I think I built a rapport with them. That'll be good going into next season. As I traveled with the team, we traveled up to their college cup matches when they were, when both teams made it to the semifinals and then the men obviously won the national championship and I traveled to those games and there was almost no media there. That was at least from Clemson. So I think they saw that recognition and that kind of built a little rapport like, Hey, you cover our team a lot. That's pretty cool. I'll recognize you um, in different instances. It's not like I'll, I'll go up to him and have a conversation if I see him at a football game or something, but there's definitely more recognition, which is cool to see that I have as I go to cover the team for three more years.
0: Something for both of y'all. Some so, some wisdom is often you, you'll find that you know if you after the interview is done, instead of just saying thank you and walking off, it's often helpful, just in terms of building a relationship. You know to it's clear. You know your quarters off you're, or your cameras off. You're no longer interviewing them, and you say, hey, just just making sure I'm I'm Joe Blow from wh- whoever. And then you just sit there and make some small talk, and and that's a good way to establish a, a rapport. So everything's not like, transactional, right? Like I need these quotes, and you give me these quotes, and then I'm out of here once I get them. Um, especially Toby, for you, you know, you're at the front end of your college career, so I think you'll you'll definitely be able to establish a long running relationship with some of those some of those folks. Grayson, can you? take me back to the high school um the experience covering high school football like we just talked about a lot different from Clemson football or Clemson basketball where all the stats are being kept for you <laughs> um you got to keep them yourself and that's pressure and then you got to you know uh formulate intelligent questions right after the game usually in a one-on-one setting but just curious to get more insight into what that, uh, experience looked like for you last fall.
2: Yeah. And I, I think honestly, the expectations I had for it completely differed from the, I think, phenomenal experience that it actually was. Because I, I, you go into, you go into everything with a set of expectations and then you come out of it on the other end and you go, okay, that was, that was pretty sweet. Or just depending on the experience of anything really, but the high school experience was really based in Wahala because I had Eric Sprout, really send me out there for a lot of games. It was a coach stone's first year there. And so the first interview I think I had with him, he didn't recognize me at all. I had been jumbling. It was my first game. And the thing about high school football is there's no stat broadcast that I can pull up on my computer and have it just do it for me. So I'm having to sit there with a notepad. I just bought that week, jotting down as much as I can. So I don't miss it. And I think it honestly helped get me so involved and immersed within the game because there's so many things you miss when, oh, let me check that stat real quick on, what did PJ Hall just, what was that foul? Oh gosh, there was just a big and one. I just missed that. Oh, that's the turning point. Oh, I can't write about that. I didn't see it and internalize it. I internalized everything. I internalized the fans screaming at the refs. I internalized the pencil breaking on my, you no know, patent having to retrieve another one to get a uh, stat down. Like there was, there was nothing that I was able to miss because you couldn't. And so going down to ask questions, I felt like I was so prepared and it reflected in getting to build a rapport like Toby, you mentioned with this Clemson soccer coaches is I get to get to know this coach in his first year and see how he develops as a coach. I've seen him at his rants. I've seen him when he's telling the guys he loves them. And then getting to the thing that was most so important to me was have to see what he tells the players, because I'd love to be able to turn that into potential question or two based off of what I just saw at the game. And then we get to talk and there's only so many times I can ask a first year coach, what are you trying to build here? So it was about asking different questions, asking things about him, asking how he's transitioned to this new role. And I think the experience has not only made me a better just in sports media better. I think it's made me a better rider. It's made me more attentive in certain games. It's just opened my eyes really that's the experience that if anyone is listening, I, I told I'd recommend it to you too, man, is High school football, high school sports, really try to get involved in that niche and add that to your toolbox because I've had people talking and going, oh, you did Clemson football and then high school football? It, it just shows a, a certain amount of care. I mean, saying, hey, you you want this, you get this. This is a drive of sacrificing a Friday night every now and then to go cover a football game. And high school football is just fun. There's something pure to it, and I love it.
0: And I'm sure you probably learn more... <clears throat> About writing your first night, your first experience covering a high school football game, than you did, however many times you sat and wrote. <laughs> Here's my take on Clemson football because it's a totally different. It's a totally different approach, totally different demands, and a totally different structure and discipline. So maybe you can share some insight on that.
2: So my routine uh, after I'd wrap up the interview and the funniest things to me is I'll, I'll be in my car and I have my hotspot on my phone on ready to type this up so I can send everything. And the best part is you look up and you start to see the parking lot drastically empty. And you're just like, Oh my goodness, I've been here a while or something like that. Cause you want to get, I won't, I'll try to make sure it's all right for Eric and get everything out. And I think the process is I never, would, I never would have thought when I started doing work for TI or, my first job alone was I was going to be doing a story in my car so I could meet a deadline and having to sit there kind of cramped up in the front seat, typing everything out, making sure it's correct, make, checking my stats. And I think what came with it was a refined practice is each week I'd pick up something and go, okay, I can do that more efficiently and have that translate on the story the next day and going, okay, I think I really starting to get the hang of this. And you really start to gather the importance when you're there and you're sucked into that world, especially when it's a big rivalry game or it's a big stakes for the playoffs. There's certain things that they, they don't write themselves, but you come, in, you come in and you come out of it almost with a different perspective, I think. And then going into basketball and having the broadcast do the stats for you, I was like, oh man, this is great. But the habits, I think, I'm not looking at my computer as much anymore. I'm not taking as many notes. I'm just taking the game in for what it is. And I think that helps so much with trying to figure out the as you put it when I started doing this stuff for you was what's the most important thing? What would you tell somebody right after a game of how important that was and it translates into the writing for sure
0: you talk about the weird experience of being cramped in your car <laughs> typing a typing up the article on deadline things used to be <laughs> I'd hate to be that guy when back in my day, but I think you guys will like it <laughs> um two. Two uh, images stand out to me. One was my first job out of college. It was in High Point, North Carolina at the newspaper there. And I was I believe it was a it was either a basketball or a football game, like an hour away from the from from the newspaper. And I was flying back and I had to back then you had to there's no hot spot. <laughs> there's no not even high speed internet. You had to find a phone line to Plug into your computer And the You know The AOL sound Or whatever it is Y'all might not even know that But I was desperate Couldn't find a gas station My only option Was I stopped at a Seedy Hotel And I go to the front desk And I was like Hey man I said I just need (laughs) I just need a room For like Five minutes And like you know, most people <laughs> need a room, a hotel room for a small amount of time. I mean, you can let your, I guess, imagination. I said, I'm, I work for a newspaper. I just need a telephone. He's like, all right, cool, man. And so I literally go into, he lets me in one of the hotel rooms and I plug the phone in and send the story. Another time was my next job was in Augusta, Georgia, covering an inner city high school football game. I was a mile from my house, the stadium. The game was a mile from my house. And so I'm thinking, oh, i got plenty of time to, um, you know, to get home and write it and send it in by, I don't know, the deadline then was probably like 10 o'clock or something, 1030. Well, so, Grayson, you mentioned the parking lot clearing out at one of your games. At this one, the parking lot did not clear out. Everybody oh. was like... I don't, I don't know, party and probably not the word, but everybody's just hanging out. That's just what they do, what they did. And so there's traffic and then there's a, I'm, I'm in a line of cars trying to get out and it's just like a snail's pace. And then the car in front of me is full of students and they're smack talking with a group of students that's walking by. Well, it turns into an absolute brawl. And the brawl, it's like a tornado. Like it's going around and I'm like, please don't hit my car. Please don't end up on my car. Well, the brawl ends up all over my car. (laughs) And I'm like trying to roll down my window and scream at him to get, get off my car. Cops come and are spraying mace all over my car. Finally, the cops establish some order. And after about 10 minutes, they start, traffic starts moving again slowly, but surely, well, there are two cops on either front side of my car and the one on my left waves me through. Well, I go and I don't see there's a, the cop on my right was not waving me and his he, his attention was elsewhere. I run over his foot and he starts screaming at oh, me no. and I had... When he starts screaming, I was on his foot, and so I stopped my car while the tire was on his foot. (laughs) I have to back off of his foot. Anyway, I'm there for a very long time as they fill out reports and all this, and this cop wanted wanted to tear me apart. But anyway, was able to get back to my apartment and write my story and fulfill the deadline, but that's a little more intense than and complicated than, than, uh, having to be cramped up in your car and send the stories. So anyway, I'm not, that's not a, that's not a, uh, I walked to school uphill in the snow both ways story, but just giving y'all <laughs> a sense of, uh, some of the, and those stories for all the old timers are so plentiful because it just, it was a matter of, man, you just got to get it in. And so you would stop at a McDonald's or all kind of, you know, an untold Number of stories about about uh, what p- the links that people had to go to. Um, so, Toby, I'm curious. When you do your stand up, do you position? Do you have a stand that you put your camera on and then talk to that, or is there somebody helping you? How does that work?
1: Uh, I I probably should invest in one. I don't currently. Normally, I'll just have somebody who's there record it. Um, and if there's nobody there, I'll find a place to prop my phone up. Uh, and the quality isn't great, um, when I do that, but for me, it's less about the quality of the content that I'm putting out and just more about the the practice and the reps that I'm getting. Um, and so I, I think if I, if I start building a reel here soon, um, I will invest in a stand so that I can do them wherever and do them without the help of anybody else and give them a consistent look. Um, but for now, it's just kind of kind of whatever I can find, um, which for me, starting off was good enough. It, it's it, it's about learning. It's about practicing for me with these standups right now and not about doing them to perfection or having them look the greatest of quality immediately. Um, but so, yeah, so normally it's just somebody holding the camera, which I'm grateful for everybody who has done that for me. Um, I'll do it for Pat. I did it for Patrick when he was starting off and then he, he got a stand and a a nice camera. Um, But yeah, I think eventually it'll reach a point where I do have a stand and, you know, maybe I start using a real camera instead of just my phone. Um, But for now, it's just about getting, getting reps in and getting practice.
0: Upstate foodies, wanna take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willy Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine magazine are raving about Willy Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice-cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willy Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky, fresh fusion. It's the Willie Way. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parham Smith & Archenthal. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate. State law, Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864 326 3507. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well. Well, as ITE members. Its office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Can you guys give me a sense of what the sports communications major is it's a major, right? Mm -hmm. What that looks like, because my sort of traditional understanding is journalism school. I went to journalism school in Columbia, don't hold it against me, but it's the only journalism school in the state. Clemson has never had one. And traditionally it's been to Clemson's detriment, you know, because usually all the journalism grads come out of South Carolina and you can go ahead and extrapolate whatever you want to about, Oh, well that leads to, you know, bias in favor of the Gamecocks or whatever, with everybody who's writing for the newspapers or, or, or or whatnot, what have you. But I know that the the classic journalism school experiences or the framework is you go into print or broadcast or advertising. And those were, I think, those are the three branches, PR, advertising slash PR. But it sounds like it sounds like in two thousand twenty-four, whether it's sports communications or even the journalism schools right now elsewhere. It is a totally different sort of framework because, with both of you guys, you're you've done so many different things, and there's no real silo to what y'all are doing like there was, maybe in the distant past. So, can you guys describe sort of your understanding and what attracted you to Clemson Sports Communications uh, program and what it looks like? Um, and we'll start with the senior.
2: Yeah, so my initial goal, and I, I was blessed to have my sister who was in Clemson at the time when I was in high school, trying to figure out okay, I have an idea of what I want to do, but how do I apply that once I get to Clemson? And so she was like, "Oh, I had some friends in a communi- in a program called sports communication. That's about the closest thing we have to sports journalism." And my thing was in high school is once I got into Clemson, that's where I wanted to be. It, it, nothing was going to deter me from it. So it was okay. Sports communication is the way to go. And I think once... It, the thing about, I think, with that makes Clemson unique is you have to apply. And there's a whole... It's like once you got in, okay, you're good. You're in Clemson. But now you got to apply for the specific program. And they only let in a specific amount of people per semester. And it's a very small number. And I think you mentioned those three pillars of... Print, broadcast and PR, I think to Clemson's credit is they've started to turn the tide on it, not being considered sports communication and more about taking those three branches and just throwing it at the kitchen sink and throwing the kitchen sink at it. And you have classes that are like I'm in a class right now called sports news media and we're talking about broadcast media or a class where it's principles of PR and you're taking a class specifically about the job of what an SID would do in that PR world. And so Clemson's trying to, I think, take everything that they can really get and throw it into this communication program and offer so many different things. And That's what's been so unique about these last couple of years is I'm getting to take the classes that I want to take and that interest me. So I've been taking a lot of broadcast heavy classes, taking a lot of writing heavy classes that teach the importance of AP style writing. I think you and I Larry, actually had a conversation about that one day. Uh, I was like, oh, they're teaching the inverted pyramid. And I was like, oh, I already know that. Um, and they teach stuff about broadcast media and the idea of a demo reel and the idea of make how does a broadcast sound? How should it sound? What's uh, a call sheet like? And all these different things that I'm still getting to learn, which has been fascinating. And so I wouldn't be shocked if down the road Clemson gets a school of journalism somewhere just because there's such a demand for it, I feel. Uh, especially since I've been in the program, I feel like there's so many people coming in. Uh, I, I would I wouldn't be shocked if they if they put one in and maybe while Toby's here, just because of the demand and the growing popularity that comes with it. Because there's so many things that overflow with it that they offer of internships with Ross Taylor and Jeff Kalen and the, the SID program, or just hearing about students' experiences. Like I've gotten to talk to a couple freshmen about my experience at PI and my experiences with the podcast and. So I think as more word of mouth travels around campus and with incoming students wanting to come to Clemson and take a specific route that you mentioned, I think Clemson will likely recognize that soon and say, we need a school of journalism here at uh little Clemson.
0: Toby, I'm, I'm sure as a freshman, you're not as immersed in all the different classes uh, involving sports communications, but just curious for your notion of it and sort of your Best description of what what it encapsulates, um, sort of compared to what you've heard from me about the more traditional structure of a of a journalism school.
1: Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm not quite in all, all of the classes yet. I'm kind of just in the basic comm classes that you need to get out of the way before you can, you know, really focus on sports communication. But when I was applying to colleges, I did not want to go to a journalism school. I I didn't think I would end up in journalism. I didn't think I'd be doing all this writing. Um, I I didn't enjoy it that much in in high school. And it wasn't something that I I foresaw doing as a major part of my freshman experience. Um, So that's what attracted me to the sports communication major is because I knew I wanted to go into sports and and I knew I was good at talking and that combined the two things. but it, it just gives more jobs. Like I have friends, one, one of my friends who's in sports communication is working for the baseball team right now. I know other people who are doing those SID internships or internships with Clemson Communication. Um, so I feel like with the sports communication major, there's a lot more different routes you can take besides just with the general, general journalism major where you're writing or you're broadcasting. And, and those are kind of the two things you learn. Um, and I think this gives you a wide variety. And then I think anybody who's interested in that it teaches themselves and, and you take the skills that you learn from your classes and you go and apply it to the real, real world. I don't think there's many other schools like Clemson where you get the opportunities that you get. I don't know another school where I'd be on the field for soccer games, for football games, for basketball in the press box. Like, I, I don't think there's many other schools where so many students would be able to do that and jump right in their freshman year. Um, so Clemson has given me the ability to kind of go a lot of different paths. Um, it seems like, and then just take advantage of, of all the opportunities that it throws at you.
0: Did the Tiger win best newspaper, college newspaper in the state this year?
1: It did last year. Last year, this year, okay. we, this year we were just behind South Carolina, unfortunately. Okay. But but it's still, still winning winning best South Carolina newspaper for college at a school with no journalism program is is pretty cool.
0: That's pretty amazing. Really that's yeah. really cool. Um Grayson, can we dig into your um your experience broadcasting um college basketball games? Is it North Greenville, right? Is yes that, sir. Is it exclusively North Greenville?
2: I mean I've done I've for last spring, I did a couple of conference tournament games, but the scope of my majority of my experience has been with North Greenville and college basketball. And then this March I'll be doing, I'm talking to some people within the conference right now about being one of their guys for the entire conference tournament that would be in Wofford. But that's still T that's still to be determined. But yeah, that's NGU has been my home and where I've been able to hone those skills.
0: And, the, the typical broadcast, is it just you? 100% of the oh, time? God. Uh,
2: it's me, the, uh, another uh, color commentator. Okay. I, I've done a couple games by myself, and the best way I can describe it is pure chaos. <laughs> um, I did one, and it was actually my first men's basketball game. Uh, It was Converse and King University. And they I came to the university with the impression that there was going to be someone else there. And they're like, yeah, here you go. I gave me the mic and I went. Wait, wait I'm doing this alone. And they're like, "Yep." And so I was like, "Okay, I need to sit down and do tons more prep because I had no idea this was. I it, it was just a fun experience, and I think it was a good lesson in just being over prepared, even if you think you had everything set to go. But I think it was also just the chaos of it helped me more internalize everything because it felt like my senses were going at a billion miles an hour because there's so many moving parts and I feel like I'm doing two jobs. And then afterwards I thought, okay, that was pretty chaotic, but I think I learned a lot from that. And I took it into this year doing not full-time, but really their main guy or their main play-by-play for NGU basketball, men's and women's at home. Uh, And it's just been, it's been an unbelievable experience. Uh, So much of it has been, I think as Toby put it earlier, he mentioned that, Sometimes it may not be your best and that's out of your control, but I think the reps are so important and getting to find different ways to say so many things, different ways and learning how to work with a team, learning how to grow, build a relationship. I think the most important thing someone told me, uh, I was Roy Philpot of ESPN. He said, the most important thing you can do there is build a relationship with those guys and just hone in on those reps. And the rest will come to you. And it's been such a blast to be able to do so far, and we're nearing the season finale in uh, next Wednesday. So it'll be really exciting to cover all that and see how much I've grown since November, and take it games later into March.
0: When Roy says build a relationship with those guys, what who's he talking about? the 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 administrative part of the broadcast? Are you talking about the p- coaches and players, or what? I think more of
2: just Anybody you could go and say, hey, I'm Grayson Mann. It's nice to meet you. I'm calling the game today. And that's him, him and Luke Winstall. Those are the two, two different, completely different people giving me the exact same advice of, hey, your guy that's giving you your stats, make sure he knows your name. Talk to him about how his family's doing. Or, hey, your camera guy that's working, maybe a behind the scenes job, not getting all the glory. Go buy the staff donuts one day. And I I think the best thing, one of those things when I took that advice very literally, we had a doubleheader. It was a long day. It was really crappy weather. Everyone wasn't coming in feeling their best. And then they come in and see this kid bringing donuts for them. And the camera guy gets to eat some donuts, the stats guy. And it just feels like a, you're trying to build a family, per se, especially when you see them so consistently. is It's not all about me and my partner, Gary, doing the commentary. Is that there's so many people behind the scenes that are doing work for us that help make the broadcast that much better. And just amplify what we're talking about, and so they're like, make sure their their efforts don't go unnoticed because they're the same people that will go to bat for you later. And I think that you can apply that anywhere, really.
0: In your prep for those games, for the it's internet broadcasts, right? Yep. In your prep for those games, how are how are you? How much are you talking to the coaches? Um, just describe what what that process is like.
2: Yeah, so I usually pull the coaches aside. Two hours or so before the game, and then I try to talk to them on the court before warmups. But we, I'll do my prep. The I, I did my prep yesterday uh, for our game against Payne College on th- or tomorrow at six. And the big storyline is is that NGU's bench was really the key to taking them on the road. They have a home and away. This will be an NGU on Thursday. And so I'll take some storylines, some stats, and go basically have, as Toby, like Toby's one-on-one conversations with Clemson coaches, we'll talk for 10, 15 minutes, and I'll have my recorder out. It's really applying the conversations and the skills that I've picked up with TI and working those high school games and taking it into the broadcasting and saying, hey, I want to be able to say something different this time, or what storyline do I care about, or what does the audience really care about? what does my color guy want me to set him up for? And so I'll go in there and we'll talk 10, 15 minutes. And then usually it's before or after we'll just sit there and talk about basketball or talk about something more personal, just because they are great people up there. And that's why I try to get up there early is just have a conversation with everyone because I don't like staying around and just sitting like I'm not wait. I don't like wasting my time up there. And so I try to make each minute valuable and those conversations, whether it's for the broadcast or not, they go such a long way and just, Help me build a relationship, help me become a better professional, better broadcaster of the whole nine
0: yards. Do you go back and watch each broadcast and sort of pick it apart and critique yourself? Is that part of your routine?
2: I do. So I have an hour drive back from uh, NGU back to my apartment. And what I usually do is I connect my phone to the Bluetooth in my car and I'll play. The, set, the audio on my phone so I can listen back to myself and what I usually do for each game is I bring a note card of just a bunch of phrases that I've been saying and I try to be cognizant of the fact that you probably said cash or just as a word example you probably said that too much for an emphatic three-pointer might want to cross that off and switch into something else and so I'll listen to it in the car and then as I'm just winding down for bed because usually these are at night and I get it's a draining day and so I'll just just sit in either it's on my desk or in bed and just listen to the rest of the broadcast, watch it break down. Okay. How would I have done that? And the, for the first couple broadcasts, you're sitting there cringing. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, you're so later. You're saying the same thing so many different times. But as I've gotten to, I think watching myself afterwards and being able to just be my biggest critic and not tear myself down, but try to write down, okay, I like the phrase you use there. Let's use that a little more. Okay. You might've said, won't go too many ways. Let's try to fix that and get some other phrases in there and try to highlight those on my card of, okay, these are things you haven't used often. Let's try to integrate that into the broadcast. And then the other thing is just, I, whenever I'm watching broadcasts, whether it's football, basketball, I'm listening to what they're saying. And if I find something I like, I'm getting my card and I'm writing it down just because it's such a, there's so many creative ways to use the English language in the broadcast. And I really enjoy just picking those apart and trying to make it into a quality broadcast for our NGU audience.
0: How did you get that job?
2: So this is actually, this is going to be really great on, on you Larry is I wanted to start doing small level broadcasting. Cause someone told me the best thing you could do is high school and get those low stakes reps and try to not build a immediate portfolio because you're just starting out. But someone recommended to me to do high school and so I did a couple games for Seneca, where I would just shadow and did some PA stuff. And eventually, I wanted to do small college basketball, thinking, okay, this is probably something low stakes, but a little bit higher up that I can immerse myself in. And I emailed—I don't know how many ads within the Upstate—and I get one back from NGU, and he says, "Hey, I've—I mentioned that I was doing stuff for Tiger Illustrated, and them just wanted to build a portfolio of who I was." in the NGU. Guy Josh Milner, who responded, was a huge fan of yours, Larry. <laughs> I, huge fan. He was like, you you work for Larry Williams? You must be good company. He says, let's set up an interview. And I think half the time we talked about you and TI and just how <laughs> I got that job. And every now and then we'll have a conversation about Clemson. And He's like, well, what's your take, man? And he's like, how, how's Larry doing or whatever? <laughs> so I think a big part of it was your the uh, the connection I had with you is was so important and being able to say yeah that's something that I'm doing on the side but this broadcasting means a lot to me this is what I can provide and the rest is history from there and he's been so instrumental in helping me get other jobs within the upstate and just making sure that me and Gary are prepared every week and we just have a great team up there that and I'm really excited to for the postseason there's a lot of exciting stuff up there.
0: I'm still sort of amazed that the written word still means something after all these evolutions and changes in, in sports media. And I'm I'm enormously grateful that it does because that's my living. I'm just curious for both of you guys as you um, think about your futures and you're not sure exactly what it's going to take and, and what form it's going to take. And obviously the latter is a lot different. From You know, from when I was coming up Where it's like, oh, you start at this small newspaper When you graduate And then you go higher and higher um, With what you guys Envision yourselves doing As hard as it is to, obviously It's not really crystallized just yet But what benefit Does the writing Part of it give to both of you Because um, most recently Both of you Are, 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 are doing Helping us with games, basketball game stories immediately after games, your job is to write a coherent story about the game within like 20 or 30 minutes after the game. So it gives you really good uh, practice um, and experience at, at writing on deadline and writing, you know, the most important things. So I'm just curious for your perspective on what do you, what do both of you think writing can, can give you, even if you don't know what, you know, what things are going to look like into the future. And we'll start with you, Toby.
1: Yeah. Well, everyone that I've talked to when I'm like, what does it take to to go into this field is, is like writing is the most important thing. If you can write it, you can say it. Um, But writing is the hardest, hardest part of this field. Um, And I think writing, you're going to write in every job that you ever have in the sports world. I think every or just about every broadcaster that you see on ESPN either started as a writer or they still write. Um, And I think every, everybody in this field has some way of writing, even if it's simply writing an email to somebody or writing an application, get a job. Um, I I think writing is just, it's from what I've learned and from what I've already experienced, it's the most important thing in the field um, because you just have to be able to do it consistently and it's it's a it's a skill you need to have so uh, i i'm learn i'm learning still obviously I, i'm getting thrown to the wolves a little bit this this saturday uh with <laughs> fsu coming up which i'm excited about but it, it's just something that it seems like everyone does in this field no matter what job they're in even a, even grayson if you're preparing for a basketball game um, that you're broadcasting i'm sure you're writing a ton for that and being able to write coherently and quickly on deadline is a skill that I think it will translate into anything in the future.
0: I would think, too, and maybe, Grayson, you might be able to elaborate on this. Like, Toby, with your stand-up that you do after games in front of a camera, I would imagine that if you are sort of well-practiced in the the art of composing a story immediately after the game, which requires, okay, what's the most important thing? What's the second most important thing? What's the third? And so on. Then that's probably going to help you ultimately with your stand-up. that does not involve any writing. It involves just spontaneously, you know, given your sort of summary of the game, spoken word. So Grayson, I I think that might be a good transition into maybe some of your development and how the writing has helped you in in non-writing ways.
2: Yeah. I I think you mentioned the the path that we envisioned for ourselves. And if you had told me freshman year at Clemson that I was going to be a writer as my main, let's just say job thing as it, like you're going to write for Clemson athletics. I go, what? That's crazy. No, I wouldn't. Like I I never would have imagined it in any of my, I always figured it would be behind your microphone, but Toby nailed it with the the way he said, you're writing in every way, shape and form in this business. And Someone exactly told me what they told him is that you're going to be a writer and you're going to have to find a way to translate and maybe not necessarily pen and paper, but being able to write a story that's so important. And I think for me, this, these last, the last year and a half at a TI, the way I've been able to, as you've put it, the the game story, what's most important, it's helped me in so many different areas. I look at it, that it's helping me with my podcast and how I translate a story or how I write out a 30 minute story for you guys and Clemson basketball, they just lost to UVA. Okay. What's the most important thing there. It's like habit now. And it's become so much easier to be able to prepare something like that, get it all out, get it sent to Chris. And the process is no longer. I I remember it was the first legitimate assignment. I believe it was our first home game. I think it was against newberry. I'm pretty, that was a scrimmage or whatever it was. And I thinking, Oh gosh, how do, what am I going to do? Like I, felt like I was so prepared. And then you get thrown into the fire and you're like, oh goodness. <laughs> so I feel like the writing has helped me so much because it's trained my brain to think about the most important things and think about the most significant moments. And it's translated in broadcasting. It certainly helped me as a writer in articulating the most significant points. And it's, I maybe I'm not describing it as eloquently as Toby did, but man, it's such a help. And if I could. To anyone, If anyone's listening to this podcast that's me and Toby's age trying to get into this field, start with writing because it is so helpful. And it is such a great way to really attach us to everything. It, it doesn't leave you. It follows you everywhere because that skill is so important. Uh, writing efficient words or writing efficient prep for broadcasting, writing out my notes for podcasting or being able to just speak it. Because if you can write it, you can speak it in a very, very concise way I think and it's so helpful so so helpful
0: it's 10.06 on a Wednesday am I making you either (laughs) of you guys late for anything class related I'm good okay good one more one more question if for both of you if you like the ideal personality or job you look out there and you say man that's what I would love to do or be would it be like Adam Adam Schefter or Tony Romo. I'm just curious, like, as you, as you guys think of, of the, your fantasy of where you want to end up and what it looks like, um, do you have someone or something in mind? And we'll start with you, Toby.
1: Uh, yeah, I would, I would say that dream job as of right now, uh, subject to change would be traveling around being an ESPN broadcaster. Um, I I definitely want to travel with whatever job I get. I don't think I want to be stuck in one place, but going around calling different games, I think would be, would be what I'd want to do right now. Um, Preferably for baseball. That's, that's kind of my sport. Uh, Football, football would be cool, but I I think the knowledge that I have with baseball would be, would be much better suited. Um, But also I could, I I, I think the other sport that I'd want to break into would be golf. I could see, wanting to broadcast on the PGA tour or, or do something along those lines. Um, So those are kind of the two paths that I have in mind right now, but obviously everything's subject to change.
0: Grayson.
2: Yeah. I mean, like Toby said, everything's subject to change and what you think freshman year, I'll just tell you this, Toby, what you think freshman year, four years from now, I'd be shocked if it was the same thing. And if maybe if it had like a slight tweak to it just because you're going to and this is my just spiel to shout you out man you're a freaking superstar I mean this is the reason why I wanted you to come on here and join the TI crews because you're kicking you know what man but anyways Appreciate it. um my my hero growing up was Chris Fowler and I will remember for the life of me is coming home from Tampa and getting to hear because I have my personal experience at that game but getting to go home and listen to how he articulated Clemson's first national championship in decades was so special, not be, just because of the Clemson aspect of it, but of the way he was able to just effortlessly tell such a fascinating story. And for years, that's always been the goal is if I could be at Wimbledon calling games as Chris Fowler or calling games as me, but following that my hero in Fowler and just the way he's able to. Graciously with college football, whether it's an occasional NFL broadcast or his love for tennis, too, has been so fascinating. But I think as I've grown into the writing business, another thing that I've really been fascinated by is this hybrid role that one of my favorite beat writers who works for the New England Patriots is Tom Curran, who does stuff for NBC Sports Boston. He does TV for them, but he also travels around the country covering the team that he has covered for years and becomes such a respected voice in the community. And getting to kind of experience not that same thing but experience it down in Clemson, uh, I would be I would be lying to you if the thought hadn't crossed my mind of man, cumbering team hasn't has been such a i think great experience, such an enriching experience and I think either of those two, if that was what I was doing and we revisit this podcast when Larry's doing the Clemson Dudcast, and it's fifteen years from now, and you say Toby's broadcasting the p g a and... I'm doing whatever I'm doing. It would be really cool to revisit that and think that's the end point, but I think I've just tried to be open to what's next, and I guess this weekend will tell us a lot, but um, I'm excited, really, for the future. It's scary, but it's exciting.
0: Guys, uh, I am refreshed by both of you um, (laughs) by the fact that I think the most impressive thing is you're doing stuff of your own initiative you have done, whether it's Grayson, you started your own... Podcasts, and then you're like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna email all these athletic directors and see." I mean, that's that's just what it takes, and that's often what separates what separates you. Um, you know, Toby, you're just doing stand up after games just because you want to do it. And um, I tell you, when I hear people complaining about kids these days, I'm gonna—you two might be the first people I cite as exhibits <laughs> A and B of why they're wrong. Um, but anyway, thank y'all for, for taking part in this. It was, it was everything I, I expected. Um, uh, just really cool stuff. And, and, and thank y'all for, um, for indulging in an old fart like me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate Larry. Yeah. Thank you. These guys, these kids, these guys, whatever you want to call them, they make me feel lazy. Not just the college version of me, but the present version of me. Really impressive young men who are on their way to some big things post glimpson Appreciate them sharing their time. Also, of course, thanks to our sponsors for continuing to help make this happen. And most of all, thanks to every single one of you for taking your time to listen. Really appreciate it. Cheers.